is freaking out this, this is Brock and Salk. Brock Ewart is my hero. Jay Buter just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports. Oh, we're going to do you on the internet. That really worked that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen and Ballard. Now, here are your hosts, Brock Ewart and Mike Salk. Hello! Are you going to be able to remain calm today, Brock? That's the goal. Stay calm today. Today's the calm before the storm. Shh. Today's the day to be very quiet, very calm. Get yourself ready for tomorrow. I started off the show today very, very quietly. Yeah. People thought I was blue of sulk, but it's uh, it's today's that day where you're just sort of getting yourself ready yeah. for when it all comes crashing down tomorrow. For I think the what I want to go with is hell week because I think that's sort of what it's going to be like for everybody. Just agony every single day of of a 10-game stretch where even when you win, you know it's going to take a lot out of you. I, mean, I appreciate that, but uh, we've got to enjoy the journey somehow too. Like hell week for those guys and for those SEALs and in a camp and – and basically the nine weeks coaching Titus football team, you know, there's not been a lot of joy. There's going to be joy in this. There's going to be, there's going to be moments of just pure unadulterated emotion and happiness. And you know, guys are going to deliver. So hell week just kind of sends it in a, a negative frenzy. Well, for to me. me, it's just about the, about your emotional state throughout it and the, the fragility of bouncing up and down and, and tension and the anxiety of baseball. Baseball's different. It's not football. It's not about anticipation. It's not about that excitement level. It's about, you know, the anxiety followed by brief moments of absolute pandemonium. So, yeah. yeah, I can't wait. I was looking at it and saying, all right, you said six and four, right? Was sort of your number. And that's based on the Mariners getting their sweep yesterday, which they did. Congratulations to them. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked to Tim Kirchin yesterday. Here's what Timmy said. They're probably going to have to go eight and two to win the division because I just can't see the Astros with, uh, you know, their full complement of offense now just staggering down the stretch. I just can't see it. And so I think they're going to have to win eight out of 10, eight out of those 10 games if they're going to win the division because I fully expect the Astros to play well, and I expect the Rangers to play well. So that's where the Mariners are really up against it here. Not only are they going to have to play well, they're going to have to play really well against two teams that are very good. It's absolutely going to be a challenge. So eight and two to win the division. That sounds about right. Maybe seven and three, but probably eight and two. Yeah. Because remember the Astros have the diamondbacks and the Royals, right? Well, diamondbacks are good. I mean, like the diamondbacks are fighting for a playoff spot, right? I mean, like they certainly have something to play for. They do, but they're not, they're not the Orioles. They're not the Rays. They're not the Mariners. They're, you know, they're a limited team. Funny watching the Astros. That hasn't seemed to really matter. They're the team that dropped a series to Oakland that struggled with Kansas city that struggled. Uh, I mean, so I don't know. They're, they're, they're kind of all over the map themselves, but point, point being, if you go six and four, I think you're right. I think you can get into the playoffs, but I think that if you go six and four, five of those wins have to come against the Rangers. That that's that's sort of my gut. That if you go six and four, you've got to win both Rangers series, meaning taking two out of three this weekend and taking three out of four next weekend. Yes. Does that make the, sense? Yeah. Who is the who does the Rangers have outside of us? Anaheim. It's the, it's the Anaheim. Okay. 
So that's sort of why I'm thinking, like, if you're going to do it, you've probably got to go in seven games, five and two against the Rangers, which gives you enough of a cushion to be able to lose two out of three to Houston, even if they Mm -hmm. sweep the Angels. So Mm -hmm. that's just sort of my gut on what it takes to get in. No guarantees, right? No matter how it goes, but six so and four win, to get if you in. Win all, if you win way. all three series, yeah, right. Which, which is what this is about. If you win all For, three series, you go seven and three. I think. I think you might win the West. Well, yeah, I think that's probably a very good bet based on your um, based on your tiebreaker with Houston. Advantage you have over Houston, right? Yep. Yeah, I think if you could go seven and three, you got a pretty good shot. That's my at goal. That. You know why? Because seven's God's number. <laughs> Just as KJ said, we gave the seventh caller yesterday. Who was it? Who won the tickets yesterday, Justin? Who was our our seventh yeah, caller? Tyson in the three six zero. Three six zero. Yeah. So I'm going to go seven. If, if you're going to go hell week, I'm going to go heaven. Okay. If you're going to go hell, I'm going to go seven. Okay. okay? Appreciate if you're that. Gonna, if, if, if you're going to talk about, you know, just as brutal as this is going to be, I'm going to talk about, yes, it is, but just win three series. Just go finish. You've been, you've, you've done it. Doesn't you, winning three series sound easier than going seven and three? Yes. <laughs> For the record, it sounds a little bit easier to win three series. Just win each series. Oh, okay. No, that means you got to win two out of three this weekend without either of your top two guys, your top two pitchers. It means you've got to beat the Astros two out of three, and then you got to win three out of four at home to finish it off against the Rangers. So when you, it depends how you look at it, how you say it, how you break it down. Why is there a lot of me? Why is there a lot of me that actually loves the Price Miller's pitching back in Texas? Yeah. Why is there a lot of me that just loves that he's going to be the one to kind of start this thing out? A lot of right-handers. Josh Young was back. I don't know if you saw that yesterday. He hit three hits and a couple bombs, and Garcia's back. That is a right-handed. You know, it's got left-handed pop, too, Haim and others, but that is a right-handed lineup. Mm-hmm. And I think his stuff and just just his makeup and just that Texan in him, like, oh, really? I get to go home. I get to go back to Texas, and I get to go put on a show, and this team needs me, and yeah. I've been great here down the stretch. So part of me really likes him and Logan. Well, we'll see. Well, I mean, you mentioned the right-handed thing. I mean, like, if you're going to match up, you'd probably rather have Wu there than against the Astros, right, where they're going to bring a couple of those big lefties up, especially Jordan Alvarez. So, yeah, I I, look, I mean, it kind of is what it is. And the Astros are now going to juggle their rotation to make sure that they throw their three best at you. So things get harder and harder. I mean, I think that's sort of a nice sign of respect. I'm glad to know that they think enough of the Mariners that they're going to juggle the lineup, hopefully, or their rotation. Hopefully it Mm -hmm. backfires on the Astros Mm -hmm. and they end up losing some of those games to the Royals and losing some of those games to Tampa. And you benefit and and still find a way to beat Verlander and Javier. And and hopefully it goes that way. Uh Uh-huh. But man, this is going okay. to be Qu- such I, a such a crazy, <clears throat> crazy personal days. personal question for a text toy. Okay, eight six six nine seven nine three. You doing personal time now with the text? The text yeah. toy is that okay? I mean, I, it's daring. I mean, let's let's get personal. Yes. Okay, let's get personal right here, right now, before this stretch, and be honest. I mean, just be on. Don't don't be fake, tough person. Be real, real honest with us. So can I try to do that? Right, every day we try to be honest with you through our faults. Through mostly our faults, you know, through some of the fun and everything else. Right now, your feeling before these 10 games, you excited? Like your number you, one emotion? I'm going to just give you two. I'm oh, keep it really just, simple. Really? See, I think you just open it up. Give me your number one emotion. How do you feel? Okay, you can do that. Yep, you're nice. I, I mean, like, let's, let's yep. open it. Let's give people some different opportunities, right? I mean, like, how are you, how are you feeling? Be honest. Be truly honest. Yes. 
Okay, eight six six nine seven nine three seven seven six. The Mac and nervous? Jack's text line. You thrilled? You just jumping for joy out of your skin? Are you anxious? Are you can't wait? Are you worried? What are, are you? Wait, Brock, you be honest. Were you yelling at kids again last night? Seriously, no. no. I'll I go hear get it in some, your voice. I'll go get some honey and some hot. Water. A lot of people think <laughs> that you had like a pack of Marlboros yesterday. What's going on? <laughs> oh, you Marlboro uh, guy now? You know what's going on. Well, I'm trying to get the most coaching. out of these boys, okay? So you were yelling at kids. <laughs> you were yelling at kids. I do not well, yell about getting at personal. kids. Well, then, then just, why does your voice sound like just that? Just like Jacob's dad said to me oh as I God. walked to the car. Brock. He said, I am so thankful for you pouring your heart into these kids. I don't yell at them. I don't demean them. <laughs> I encourage them. And yesterday, for the first time, we made football music. We actually hit. <laughs> Guys actually felt what it was like to hit. And hit their pads and hit their helmets. Like, yes, see, you can do it. It was like Drago bleeding, right? It was, it was like his, it, you know, getting Rocky getting yelled. See, he can bleed. He can't. He's not a machine. Are you going to be able to even do your game on Saturday? I'm going to go get some hot honey water. Okay. And I'm going to be just fine. And as for so. me, and as for me and my emotions in my house, I'm ready. I ready is ready. not an emotion. Yes, it is. No, it really isn't. <laughs> I'm ready. No, it's really State not. State of being. Ready is definitely not an emotion. Ready, 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 ready. Stop. Ready's not Stop an emotion. Stop yelling. Rest it. Seriously, what is wrong with you? I'm gonna go get honey water. Please do. In fact, get out of here. Go get your honey water. <laughs> We're gonna take a break. <laughs> I can't even look at you right now. Thank you. Yes. We'll come right back. Give you things you actually need to know and appreciate all your text messages coming in as well. It's Brock and Salk, Sales Sports on 710. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, with the upcoming 10 games here to decide the season, the Mariners did exactly what they needed to do in Oakland to set themselves up. They simply took care of business. Really nice series. Again, we pitched very well this series. Uh, we were heading to count. We stayed after it. Um, off day tomorrow, and then we, we get ready to go. The playoffs start for us on Friday night, and I'm really excited about that, as our guys are as well. Gone well, as they should be. Uh, Three-game sweep. They were... Pretty comfortable wins, right? It allowed them to get their bullpen totally in shape for this last huge stretch. George Kirby looked back to being himself yesterday. The pinpoint command went seven strong innings, no real problems. Got plenty of help with the long ball. Man, Julio hit a nice one, his 100th RBI of the year. Cal hit a bomb, but the one that just absolutely rocked Oakland was this one from Canzone. <laughs> Here's yes. a pitch. Canzone swinging a drive deep to right field. Down the line, stay fair, and it is into the second level. Fair, goodbye, baseball. That ball yeah, was a cannon shot. Yeah, who hit theirs harder, him or Cabby? Pretty think, similar. I think Canzones went 10 feet further, I, yeah. think. I think. Pretty similar. Here's, here's what I do know. That if Major League Baseball heading into the playoff was like college football and, and other coaches and committees had to vote... I think the Mariners, the Oakland A's would get their vote. Like, I, th- those guys are the best. I, I don't even ever want to see them again. I think we lost to them one time the entire year. Yeah. So, owned those guys, have owned the Astros, is, were in Dusty Baker's head, right? Tom Berducci told us that a month ago. He was already waiting and couldn't wait to get Brantley back, knowing he needs him for these Mariners. <clears throat> now it's the one team that's been the bugaboo. Now it's the one team that's been the challenge in the division this year. And I don't mind Scott setting it up that way. 
Right? I think there's part, you know, and I think some I of the Nick Saban. set it up. I think he just like, let's go. This is who's next. We're just rolling guys out. I think the Nick Saban will tell you, there's no, the playoffs start when the playoffs start. It's all about the process. Mm-hmm. It's all about we do and play this game no differently than the other game. But I think for this crew, for Julio and JP and the way these guys are wired, I don't think there's any, any challenge was saying, no, the playoffs actually begin tomorrow and set that sense of urgency. Yeah, it's the only way, really, to view this. And, you know, I think they're handling it just with excitement. I've been definitely really excited. You know, I feel like everybody is waiting um, to to get to the field, honestly. Like, everybody's excited. Everybody's ready to compete. And at the end of the day, we're going to lay everything down on the, on the line over there. Yeah, that's, of course, Julio Rodriguez, who did end up with his 100th run driven in yesterday. Pretty darn impressive accomplishment. Everyone else won, though, so no changes in the standings. Rangers blew out the Red Sox. Toronto blew out the Yankees. And then Houston looked like they might fall. It was a close game, but they came back, scored one in the eighth, one in the ninth, and they beat Baltimore. So all systems go for tomorrow. Bryce Miller, Dane Dunning, game one in Texas. Here's the second thing you need to know. Yeah, not the world's greatest first injury report of the week, Brock, as the Seahawks were missing a ton of guys. And now maybe that's not a shock given how physical the game was against Detroit, but man, nine unable to go at all. And big names on that list, too. DK, Jaron Reed, Boye Mafe, Will Disley, Reek Woolen, Kobe Bryant, Julian Love, just to name a few of them. That's suboptimal. That that is not what I expected. I'm getting there. Don't you worry about me. I know. I know folks are worried about I'll be just fine. Uh, that I was expecting Detroit's practice report to look like that, right? And, and they're working out guys on Tuesday. The Seahawks didn't work anybody out every Tuesday. You look around the league. <clears throat> they got a little transaction that tells you who's worked out where. And Detroit was the walking wounded coming out of that game, right? I mean, you knocked their guard out. You knocked their running back out. You knocked their people out. And yet... Yeah, that's that's a lot of starters. It's a cool game, man. <laughs> yes. That's how it goes. Um, Today will be hyper important. Yeah, who who's able to get back out there, at least in a limited fashion today. Yes. Some of it, like Pete said, that uh, boy, Mafe was going to play. Will Disley, I think, is a concern, especially since the team signed a tight end, Brady Russell, off Philly's practice squad yesterday. So we'll see where some of those go. More bad news. Mike Morris's year is done before it ever really got going. The rookie had season-ending shoulder surgery, which seems to be the injury of the year. And then uh, on the other side of it, Bryce Young missed practice with an ankle injury yesterday. Brock, if you're the Panthers, you're not starting Bryce Young right in his third game if he's not healthy. If you're the Seahawks, you better be starting Bryce Young. I know. I don't want to, I don't want to see any Dalton. part of the red rifle. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Thank you. Are you kidding me? The way that guy gets people going around him? No makers on three. Way. One, two, three. Here's the third thing you need to know. Have you heard the Sean Payton sound? Dude, he can't help himself. Is it worse than the Justin Fields sound? Did you I, hear the Justin Fields yeah, sound? Yeah, I'm just saying Sean Payton can't help himself with us. When have you ever heard a quarterback crush his coaching? Ever? Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard that. <laughs> ever? But that's not as funny. Not the a good Payton quarterback. Thing is out of control, man. Here he is talking more about wristband gate. Preseason was smooth, and then I think you know, week one was smooth. We probably had too too much with some of these plays. And looking back on it, that's something we can correct on our end, you know, and, and and be quicker. You know, there's that happy balance of, you know, getting it in fast, but then also getting it called to the line. I'm sure we were a little bit heavy relative to the length of some of the plays. He went on from there. There's a little uh, more. And so hindsight last week, there, there's probably about four or five plays that would have been easier 
if they were wristbanded, but we can still reduce the verbiage. So if a play X curl, Z, Z post, Y shake, and let's call it Oxy, you know, coming up with code names to, to help do that. But that was that was last night. Isn't that just as hard? So that's more memory rather than speaking. Okay. So what that does, this is good. This is a good little football conversation here before Ian Eagle joins us. Uh, Western Kentucky. Okay, Western Kentucky, who I just had against Ohio State. Six different signals they give their quarterback. So the guys on the sidelines over there giving, you know, six different signals. Mm-hmm. Here's the formation. Here's this play, right, as he said. Here's Z-curl. So he's signaling all of that. And it is a Bill Walsh stop. It is, I'm going to make it as hard on the quarterback and as easy on everybody else. Right. I kind of asked their coach and signal guy, is, is that the is that word? Oh, absolutely. You know, our quarterback can handle it. So he calls everything. And then the O-line hears one word. The receivers hear one word, right? So now when you do the other, what he said right there, well, when we make a code word, guess what now you do? Everybody's got to know Now it. everybody's yeah. got to learn it. So but it isn't makes that it a, an indictment on the quarterback in some way? Like, we tried to do it this way. My quarterback couldn't handle it, so now i got to put it on everybody else. I'm going to guess number three, and his people probably will read it that way, yes. Yeah, I would think they might. No. Meanwhile, Kraken uh, reporting for camp. The rookies are already in. And uh, a guy that I think is going to be under the spotlight a little bit is, is Shane Wright. Showed up, apparently, according to Jeff Baker, Best shape looking of his life. stronger, looking a little bit more confident, which he should, given the age he's at. He should be kind of turning into more of a man. Um, he's excited. Uh, for the season and knows that if it doesn't go perfectly in camp, he at least this year can go to the AHL, which he couldn't do last year. Yeah, obviously that's that's great. Um, if that's you know the situation, obviously you know my goal is to you know, earn my spot in Seattle and to make that team. But um, you know whatever happens happens, and uh, if you know, I'm able to, do, able to do that right out of training camp, obviously it'll be nice to be able to go into Coachella and play there. But you know, not really trying to focus on that. Really, I want to make sure I can. I'll go under my spot and prove myself that I deserve to be on Seattle this year. Yeah, he's going to be a fun one to watch and uh, got that hockey cadence going as he's uh, answering the questions. That's everything you need to know. Quarter past every hour here on the Brock and In Salt 30 show. seconds or less, can you tell me what, what that means? So last year, if you remember, he was their top pick, right? I and thought he went to Coachella last at year. At the very end of the year. Ah. He wasn't allowed to go back. When they sent him out, it had to be for injury ah. because there was this, this, this I don't really okay, understand all fine. the crazy rules on who all can right. go where, but he had to go back to juniors. Uh-huh. Anyway, this year they petitioned the league, and now they can send them to the AHL to get seasoning. So. Okay, so what's a better emotion for Ready Ready? What, what, what is emotion? Because, honestly, if there was no JP, I would be nervous. I'm just going to tell you that. Like, if there was no JP being whom JP has been right. is kind of the igniter and fire starter we've, for this team all year. We've got everything from ambivalence to out-of-my-mind oh. excited to oh. anxious to nauseous to fascinated, <laughs> stoked, screaming, crying, throwing up, great distress, everything, all the emotions at once, Jack scared, confident, tense, unbelievably anxious, excited, hyped, nervoised, nervous, that's nervous and excited, dread. Getting it doubtful, excited, Brock. It's all over the map. So that's your answer. It's all of the emotions, right. all at once, everything, everywhere, all at once. All right. Hey, should also let you know, Hawks live back for another season. You can join Michael Bumpus, Paul Moyer tonight, starting at seven at Bellevue Square Center Court for a live broadcast and a preview of this week's game. Plus, a visit. From Derek Hall. Go see those gigantic quads in person. Those big old oh, I knees. I were talking about his knees. That's okay. right. That's tonight at 7, Bellevue Square Center Court. Learn more at seattlesports.com slash events. Yes, we're going to talk to Ian Eagle, who's it's calling happening. the game this weekend next. That's going to be fun. Brock and Salk. Sales Sports on 710. 
You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. It is a busy, busy, crazy week here in terms of the emotions, in terms of yeah, our emotional state as an entire sports city. But also, Brock, there's just a lot going on. I mean, you're sitting looking at Need to Know, and you got you know the Kraken kind of starting up again here, which obviously is fairly early into it. But we're going to watch some Kraken get excited for their season coming off of a fun playoff run and a great surprise last year. Obviously, I mean, we are talking a lot today, and we'll talk to Jerry Depoto an hour from now at 8.30 about the Mariners as they get ready for the craziest 10-game stretch that I could ever remember in this sport. And in the meantime, Seahawks coming off a really, really important win over Detroit. Ian Eagle has a game against Carolina this weekend on CBS, and he's kind enough to join us right now. Ian, good morning. Thanks for being with us. Hey, guys. Good morning. How we doing? We're doing great. We believe on this show that I am that honesty is the best policy. I mean, that's what yeah. we really aim to do for our audience every day. So if your memory, memory is as photogenic and unbelievable as all of your peers tell me it is, how many times have you been to Lumen Field, the old Century Link, Quest, whatever? This, whatever you know. this will be my fourth broadcast there. But it's funny. I was thinking about this before I jumped on. They used to be in the AFC. So Seattle was part of my whole dynamic early in my CBS career. I was going to the Kingdom. I was meeting with Dennis Erickson. Then I was meeting with Mike Holmgren. The year, was it two years that they played at University of Washington? I was doing the game probably what the, the highest location I've ever been in my <laughs> life, other than maybe what? Arizona State. I, I, am. I was I am. the I am. highest I've ever been in my life. Ian, did you yes. possibly do the Denver Broncos at Seattle Seahawks when a young Brock Heward was starting? Wow. And John Mobley knocked his liver to Bellevue? <laughs> I, I think we have to call up the highlights. I <laughs> might have been on that game. Wow. I truly believe I might have been on that when game. When Bill Romanowski bluffed me on all-go special <laughs> and Holmgren told me one thing heading into that game and one thing only – if I call all go special, you better get rid of the ball. And if we get blitz, you, you better have a plan. And Bill Romanowski is bluffing me, and I'm looking at him like, I got you, Holmgren. I got you. He's going to blitz. I'm going to throw it right past his ear. And he bluffed me, and John Mobley hit me harder than any human has ever, possibly maybe ever hit another human. Drove me five yards, knocked the wind out of me, truly. Um, pissed blood, spent the night in the hospital. Like, was I an eagle on that call? It's so funny. My experience was so different than yours, <laughs> as I recall it. <laughs> I would hope so. Uh, you're pro- were you working with Fouts back then, too? Uh, no, no. That was, uh, that was Mark May. Wow. And then... It was. Colin you did the game. Wilcox. You did the game. That I remember so the production really meeting. Think I, did yep. the game. I talked terrifying. to Mark May oh, and Solomon Wilcox. You got to understand. Totally uh, I've been hearing this story for 14 years. So, yeah, that's, that's pretty great. Wow. That is really crazy. So, I do have these flashes, these memories that, that come back when you get assigned Seattle. Such a classic CBS game, that Carolina Seattle game. That <laughs> you just automatically think of of CBS and Murder She Wrote. It is so strange, right? Isn't it very it, odd? This whole yes, thing is, is odd this year. Yes, I'm excited. It's weird. Anytime I see a 60 Minutes promo during a Seahawks game, 
seriously. Right. Is that but an do you honor, like by it? the way? Is that an honor to be able to read the 60 Minutes promo? Oh, I mean, that's the epitome of, of this business. Yes, it is. I'm not going to. I'm not going to sugarcoat this thing. That, that's real. That's a that's a big deal to read the 60 Minutes promo, 100%. When you, when you think of the 60 Minutes promo being read, who do you think of? Well, there's only one person that you think of, and that's Tim Ryan. No, it's <laughs> Pat Summerall. You think of Pat Summerall. Yeah. Uh, so do I. Yes. Okay, I'm glad to hear it. I, I, Tim Ryan, that's not very nice. How dare you? Um, no, I, Tim Ryan was a great broadcaster. It was just the first guy that popped in my <laughs> Well, let's start here. Let's actually talk about this game a little bit. And, and since you don't get here that often, what is sort of your perception from the outside of Pete Carroll? I've met with Pete Carroll many times. He was actually the head coach of the Jets when I was doing pre and post game back then. So not sure Pete was a huge fan of mine in the nineties. Cause I was doing the post game on his drive back from the Meadowlands to long Island where he lived. And it was not my fault. As you guys know, you get guilty by association when callers call in Bruce from flushing after the game checks in and then <laughs> lists a litany of issues that he has with the team. And you're just the, the person listening and you know you're either nodding or mm-hmm, yep uh-huh, uh-huh and then that's it but you're now the person that may have put it out there on the air pete is a great guy uh high energy obviously as you guys know elite gum chewer but uh, based on all of my experiences he's genuine he's authentic this is him this is who he is he's never been shy about that and the fact that that he got back to this level, won a Super Bowl, established himself as one of the best coaches that this league has seen, uh, just speaks to who he is and what he's all about. Uh, I just always enjoy talking okay. to him. Uh, the guy brings it every single time. Okay, Ian. So bigger surprise then, because you have life experience there, as you just talked about, in the 90s with Pete. And then I'm sure you called some of Geno Smith's games when he was a starting quarterback of the Jets as a, as a, as a young guy. Bigger surprise to Iron Eagle as we sit here in 2023 on the Brock and Salk Show here in Seattle. If I would have told you in the 90s that Pete Carroll would go on to build one of the biggest dynasties in college football history, Mm -hmm. get to a Super Bowl, win a Super Bowl, get to Super Bowl, build one of the most incredible defenses in NFL history, and you'd be on the show in 2023 talking about it, or that Geno Smith – 10 years later, would resurrect his career into shattering Seattle, all of Russell Wilson's records, and putting together a Pro Bowl year. Bigger surprise. Yeah, it's not close, guys. The fact that Geno Smith is a starting quarterback in the NFL, is a successful starter, has galvanized the team, has done all the right things during the stretch of time where it could have easily gone sideways, lost interest, didn't train, didn't prepare, uh, didn't have the confidence and conviction that he could do it. His first production meeting, and this is certainly not about me, but it is about personal experiences. I was doing the Jets preseason package. I still do. 23 years I, I've been working on that package. And Gino's first NFL production meeting is with us, with our crew, as he's getting ready to, to get a chance to be a starter in the NFL. And he came in really confident the one thing that struck me, and I say this, this is just through my lens of what I felt at the time. I say that he was almost parroting back 
the the quarterback handbook of what you're supposed to say in a production meeting and what you think you're supposed to do to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. And by the way, I get it. You don't know exactly what to do until you're in that chair. And the difference now is that he actually believes it and does it and practices what he preaches. So the fact that uh, he is where he is in life right now is uh, a very, to me, incredible NFL story that we're not going to see a whole lot. Those years would allow you to not do the right things. He did all the right things, and he's benefiting from it now. And, by the way, he backs it up with his play. You put the tape on. The guy is ridiculously accurate. He has tremendous command. And he still has that inner confidence. Now he just gets a chance to show it. Talking to Ian Eagle, uh, CBS Sports, he's going to call the game this weekend. Since you brought up those meetings and, and the production meetings you guys go to, Brock's told me a lot about his experience in those over the years. Yep. What do you look for when, when you first meet players or coaches or people that you haven't met yet or maybe even some that you have? What are you looking for? What are you looking to learn out of those meetings? Well, you're just hoping to have a real moment, uh, a human-to-human moment. Of course, they've answered all the questions throughout the week. If they're a bigger name, they've done their press conferences. The one positive that I'm sure Brock could fill you in on is that there's no cameras. There's no recording devices. So, yes, it's an on-the-record conversation, but the edge has been taken off it a bit. And in my mind, you try to bring a little bit of levity. You try to get a little bit inside as you attempt to find out what this person is all about. You get 10 minutes, 12 minutes. You're not doing a dissertation, but you just want to get a vibe. You want to get a vibe on on who they are and a vibe on the team. Uh, So the guys that have been outstanding at it it's not a huge shock that peyton manning was unbelievable in production meetings and tom brady was tremendous in production meetings i always found chad pennington to be really good in production meetings and other players you know if you want to go the offensive line route really interesting people with interesting perspectives the harder part is brock can can attest it's harder to get those stories on the air because you're just not locked in. They don't have the ball in their hands. They're not, you would have to stop what you're doing and make sure that you're going to tell a story second drive of the second quarter on a particular offensive lineman. And you just don't know the flow of the game flow of the broadcast to do that consistently. So uh, for us, it's just trying to gain a little bit of insight and try to get something that hasn't been covered all week on sports radio in the papers, on the blogs. Yeah. Uh, that's that's the goal. Just try to get a little bit something extra to separate yourself. That is so good. Actually, Jason Benetti, who I'm absolutely loving working with, Ian, and he said yeah. to me the other day, he, he framed it really well. He said, listen, to our crew, he said, Ohio State is so well-tread. All of these stories, you know, I mean, they're fan-based. They've, they've heard them all. So what can yeah. we do and what can we bring that's not been done before? You know, kind of some of the aim and goal going in. So along those lines, yeah. everybody knows Pete. He knows the gum chewing. I love that story on Gino. And I, I thought that was so well done. you have any other grasp or feel yet heading in with these Seahawks that maybe, you know, some of those areas that you'll try to, to tangle and tackle with that maybe haven't been tread on before? Yeah, still working through it. You know, we'll get together, obviously, Friday, Saturday. And and as you know, Brock, a lot of what comes out on the air is 
stuff that you just talk about in the car on the way to the facility or back from the facility. I realized many years ago, and people always ask, like, what's the secret sauce? How do you how do you get the most out of your analyst? I was working with Rich Gannon uh, after Mark May, after Solomon Wilcox, and Rich and I didn't know each other other than, you know, hey, how are you at, uh, at a seminar? And I even mentioned to Rich many years prior, Rich was not the best in production meetings. He was so <laughs> eager to just get back to his life, get back to preparation. I think that's what made him such a great player. He didn't see it as an important part of the process. And I get it. And it it's not incumbent upon the players to, to look at that as, as something that is a priority for them. So now we're working together and we're driving from a chief's meeting back to the hotel and rich in the back seat spits out three tremendous points about what we're going to see or how he views the game. And I didn't turn around and say to him, are you comfortable saying that on the air? I just stored it away. And somewhere in the second quarter, I led him to one of those points, not telling him ahead of time, hey, I'm going to get you there and I'm going to try to get you over to that side. I just did it. And then he mirrored exactly what he had said in the car and nailed it, of course, because it was top of mind and it was yeah. something that he really believed. And we went to break and, and he turned to me. He's like, hey, bro, that was great. That was really <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it was great because you said it with conviction and it was something you truly believe. So to me, that's, that's really the essence of this. It's not trying to script anything. It's really attempting to have good conversations on the air. He's the big comp, by the way, for Gino, that that's the biggest comp we've had here in Seattle for the last year or so has been rich Gannon. So interesting that you would bring that name up in the car. Is that where you wrote the, uh, the blank space line? (laughs) No, (laughs) so funny when, when things hit that, uh, I must admit, I did not think something like that would go viral. What I, I will say that is naive. That, uh, it's not naive. I've been I've been doing Salk, this. He's long a first time guest. You don't call him names. Well, hold on. Have you seen? Have you, do you know anything about Taylor Swift? Have you seen Taylor Swift? I do. I know a lot about Taylor Swift. That's why I acknowledge that I came in with an idea of where we might go if something happened. I'm I'm not uh, I'm not uh, uh, an imbecile. I, I understand how big she is. But but with that said, I I didn't think the crossover would go to that level. Mm. I never envisioned that I would get texts with a link to TMZ with me being featured that did not include cocaine and hookers. Like I I am thrilled that I was featured on TMZ and nothing right. crazy happened. Yes. Like what a PR coup that must be. <laughs> You're the first person so, ever to find themselves on T- TMZ with no, uh, no checkered no. past or anything to have to explain Correct. afterwards. What a win. <laughs> what a win. Well, well, let's hope the same thing happens when you're done in Seattle. We don't want to see you in TMZ for any issues that you have while you're here this weekend. We appreciate you taking a few minutes. Hopefully with the, the new broadcast rules, this means we'll get to see you more often because we'd love to have you on again. Yeah, I hope so, guys. One quick thing, Brock, your stat person for many years when you were doing games at uh, the other network uh-huh. was David Freed, who is my oh, stat person. Yeah. He's been with me for 25 years. Oh, is that the guy you always told me you didn't like? 
No, no, no. He likes. No, he I, likes. I, I, he he's likes. a Long Islander. I love now Stamos. Long maybe Islander. not, but yes. But David, yes. Let me let me just do one thing for you, Brock, because you're basically one of twenty people that would get this in America. <laughs> it might be the best impression out there that nobody would ever know. Wow. He's like a male Edith Bunker, and this is basically how it would go for Brock and David. What what time do you fly, Brock? I'm just trying to get to the airport, and if you could get me there, that would really help me a lot. So let's just be clear, Brock. In the last couple of months, we've had Jason Benetti come on and imitate Sean McDonough. But now we've now we've had Ian Eagle come on and imitate somebody nobody in the world knows except for you. And he totally nailed it. <laughs> well, Are we getting why... a police escort? We need an escort. This is why the Syracuse guys uh, are superior to the BC guys, apparently, uh, and come to the broadcast world. Ian, thank you. Ian. We appreciate it. We'll do it again. See you guys. Here you go. There's Ian Eagle. I'll tell you what, man, I I told you we have a mutual friend who gave me his number, who told me that he was going to be very, very funny. But uh, I would say he uh, he not only lived up to the billing, he exceeded it. That was uh, that was unique. That's That's for sure. Tremendous. Let's do some Blue 88. This is Brock and Sox Blue 88. Blue 88! We take you to the field as Brock Ewart breaks down three football questions as only he can. Now here's your hosts, Brock Ewart and Mike Saul. It was quite a quite a wild ride. <laughs> Fifteen minutes with Iron Eagle. Wow, I didn't know where that was going to go next. All right, Brock, question number one. KJ yesterday uh, kind of explained what he thought Jamal would be up to here. You said it was going to be the most fascinated you've been for any position, person playing a position in your time covering the Seahawks. Here's what KJ said about Jamal. It's pre-snap. For him, it's pre-snap. What he does pretty much every time he's out there, like he has this certain movement to him. Like, he's always moving before the ball is snapped. He's standing up. Sometimes he's, he has his knee. His knee's been sometimes he's straight-legged. So you don't know what he's doing, right? So his pre-snap is phenomenal. And the way he times the snap, right, he just has this natural God-given instinct where he knows when the ball is going to be snapped. And by the time that ball is, is snapped, he is screaming, beelining straight to the quarterback. And when he does encounter a blocker, whether it's an offensive lineman, whether it's a running back, he just simply simply makes the guy miss. I so love that. And my mind went two directions as I was listening to him. And I think you're going to like this, Saul. In fact, I may use it down the road on a broadcast. What he was describing is basically a gold glove shortstop or second baseman. That just when you want to talk about instinct, there's just an instinct that they have. And when you try to ask them, how did you know that? How did you read that? How did you, how was your first step so right so often to get to that ball? Now, JP and the second baseman for the Mariners, they get pitch calm in their head now. And, and, and back in the day, I'm sure they could always read the signals too. So it's not revolutionary, but I think it, it must aid just a little bit. You know, they don't have to sneak around, try to look for those signals. They know exactly what's coming. And that's what Jamal does. He studies those snap counts. He studies the game plan. He studies the way that those guards are going to put their hands in the ground. He's going to study tendencies. And then on top of it, as KJ said, just that God-given instinct, like great middle infielders have, to just take that first step. 
in the right direction all the time, just a split second ahead of their peers. And it makes him elite around the line of scrimmage, and I can't wait to see it. When you play him at safety, you you diminish some of those things. You take it away, right? It becomes kind of an outfield. They're still important, and those jumps are still important, but so much better around the line of scrimmage. And those instincts, as KJ elaborated on, so fun to hear. All right, question number two. We're going to hustle here a little bit. Uh, Mike Morris, done for the year with a shoulder surgery. Um, I know exactly where you're going with this answer, Brock. Oh, you do? what is to be learned from that? What is to be learned is you got to be very careful about adding 30 or 40 pounds to a guy and thinking he can transition from one thing to something else when he's never done it before. I had apprehension when that pick was made. Now, it wasn't a second-round pick. It wasn't a third-round pick. You take a flyer, right? You take some risk in the later rounds it's that's what you do it's what john schneider and crew have always done right they've taken guys that were high school or like college i don't know i mean d lyman like o lyman that's cons yes yes or there was another guy from oregon state that was a receiver at oregon state that then tried to transition o- o- walk him <clears throat> whoa dude great pull thanks on it I'm going to drop it right there and leave it right there. Oh, that is welcome. Tremendous. Yeah, thanks. I got you. But in his case, Mike Morris's case, I was looking at his Michigan picture. Like, that dude's not an interior defensive lineman. He never was there. And, yeah, he might have the frame. You may think he has the frame. I think the shoulder injury, unfortunately, tells you otherwise. All right, question number three. Then. We're not going to get to it. I'm cutting you off. What do you mean? I'm cutting you off. Why? We're going to get to the injury report in, in Blue 88. I mean, in uh, Need to Know. I'm cutting you off. Okay. Because you mentioned somebody. Okay. And let's just say that's somebody you were super excited to see. You went to a concert down there at Lumen Field. You had the time of your life. You nearly had friendship bracelets on yourself. <laughs> yeah. Do you know who that certain someone is starting to see a little bit? Yeah. Fire one me. of y'all said the T's were going to take it home this year. Not a single one. Feel that? Feel yeah. it? And on top of that, next time the Chiefs well, said Hold on. Are you just learning this? Name? I'm not just learning it. Oh, okay. No, but you mentioned, you know, with Ian Eagle. Right, Taylor because that's Swift. why he said that. Are you comfortable with Taylor and, and Travis? Kelsey? Yeah, I think so. Why wouldn't what? I be? What do that, I because you couldn't stand him. I don't like him. You couldn't sure. stand him. No, I, don't, I still don't. And now, does it make sense to you that Taylor Swift would be dating him? Yes, absolutely. It why? makes perfect sense to why? me. Why? I mean, she's Answer dated question, everybody. Why wouldn't she date Travis Kelsey? She has not dated everybody. That is not fair. That she's is dated so... a lot of people. I don't say that negatively. I'm not like, I don't care who she dates. And Who like... else has she dated? Well, Jake Gyllenhaal, <laughs> John, John No, 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 not you two. Oh, sorry. sorry. I mean, there's like 30 <laughs> Justin, people. Morris. Answer the question. Blue 99. Who, is, who else has she dated? People. She's dated a lot of famous people. Calvin Which, Harris. by the way, I think is normal for someone in their Absolutely. 20s. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No issues with it. But this is Travis not judgment. Kelsey? Meathead Kelsey? Jabroni yeah. Kelsey? Yeah. WWF Kelsey? Brock, I read the report on it today. It said she's going through sort of a having fun phase. That's yeah. fine. And she's she's a, totally allowed to do it. Brock, by the way, I'm going to derail you for a minute because I wasn't able uh, to find anything for Mine Eagle on the call of the game that you yes. had against the Broncos. But I did find a clip of, uh, of Boomer talking about it, if you would like to hear that. No, I don't. <laughs> and we got to go. at Husky Stadium. Brock Heward. Concussion, been out for about a month. Yeah. Sacked by John Mobley. It's a fumble. This time it's a rib injury. Heward, not exactly Joe Cap there in the pocket. <laughs> Gus Farrakh. <laughs> You brought oh, this man. on yourself, bro. How, 
How have we not ever played that? Seriously. That is some it. of the best you know sound what? I've ever heard in my life. We should go back and retroactively fire Paisley, Wassel, Howdy, and Kyle, and Bunker. All that of them never found that? was the greatest sound. <laughs> not exactly Joe Cap back there. I have ever heard. This time it's a rib injury. Heward, not exactly Joe Cap there in the pocket. <laughs> Gus Perot. <laughs> That is hysterical. <laughs> oh, my God. Are right, we got to run. That is Blue 88. Uh, That's Brock's life flashing uh, before his eyes as John Mobley hit his kidney. Lacerate uh, your kidney, right? Isn't that what he did? It's one of the greatest hours we've had in a long time. I like how you just kept adding more details about right. how much you got hit. That yes. like, like that was going to refresh his memory. He's like, yeah, I didn't have that experience. Right. So I, I don't. <laughs> he was busy worried apparently about drugs and hookers. So <laughs> we'll come right back. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710.